Uh, hey, what's up, everyone? It's Sam Shaw here from Wall Street Mastermind. I'm back here today with another client interview for you guys. Today, I have Jerry on with me, and uh, I'm very excited to have him on just because uh, Jerry just finished going through the summer 2021 recruiting process um, as an international student, and I know that uh, in this day and age, it's extremely difficult to recruit as an international student. Uh, and so I wanted to get him on here and just kind of share his experience with you guys, talk to you about how he was able to navigate through that entire process and uh, just hopefully give you guys some uh, insight into, you know, how you could potentially go through this process on your own as well. And so, uh, Jerry, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us today and uh, it's good to have you on. Yeah, of course. No worries. Um, so uh, to start, if you could uh, introduce yourself a little bit, just to give our listeners um, a bit of a idea of kind of what kind of candidate you were coming in. Yeah, sure. So for some context, um, as you mentioned, uh, I'm an international student and then uh, studying at a Target on the West Coast, Target School on the West Coast, studying economics. And um, in terms of, you know, my stats for uh, coming into IB recruiting, um, my GPA uh, at the time was pretty average, around 3.3. And then in terms of experiences that I had, um, I was part of... Um, a consulting club on campus and I also had a couple previous internships uh, just uh, one at a, a regional investment bank um, uh, in my home country and then also um, an equity research uh, internship as well before that in my home country as well okay got it um, so you had your international student and you had done some relevant internships it sounds like but not in the states but back in your home country which i guess sometimes i don't know depending on sometimes it gets discounted a little bit but yeah um and then your gpa was on a low side but you did go yeah. to target school essentially okay got yeah. it um and so take us back to the beginning man like you know when you first started recruiting for, or deciding that you want to recruit from us making and before you actually you know even found wall street mastermind like what was that process like for you? Like, how are you going about it? And just how are things going for you in general? Yeah, so thinking back to when I decided that I wanted to recruit for investment banking, it was actually just after my sophomore um, summer internship. So I had just completed a summer in investment banking. And only then did I realize, you know, investment banking is a career that I wanted to pursue uh, post-graduation. So after the sophomore summer, as you know, it's actually in the later half of the recruitment process, especially with a lot of uh, processes kicking off um, in the first half of the year during the spring semester. Mm -hmm. So by the time I had decided that I want to pursue investment banking, a lot of uh, you know processes were already done or um, a lot of banks were in the middle of their processes. So I, I guess I was caught off guard and I wasn't really prepared for that recruiting cycle. Yeah. Got it, okay. So you did the sophomore internship at the boutique investment bank back in your home country. And yeah. that's when you realize, Oh wow, I really enjoy this. And I want to do this for full time. Let me yeah. look into recruiting for this for, for full time and then, or for my junior summer internship. And then Correct, that's yeah. the first time you realized that you were actually super behind already. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Got it. Okay. So coming back into your junior year, then I basically, right when fall semester started so was that pretty mm -hmm. much when you found this then because i think you, yeah 
Got it. Because I think you joined around like August or something, right? September-ish, yeah. September-ish, okay. Got it. Just so when full semester was starting, yeah. Yeah, got it. How did you find out about us, by the way? Um, let me think back. I think it was just browsing the internet, I believe. Yeah. Got it. You probably saw one of our ads or something. Yeah, probably, yeah. Um, so then you found us, you hopped on a call, uh, yeah. probably with me directly, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah. and then like, what, what made you ultimately decide to join something like Wall Street National? Cause I mean, even now, well, even now I would say, look, we're becoming a bit more well-known and more people are starting to hear about us back when you joined, I think we were still maybe relatively newer right and so mm -hmm. i don't know if you personally knew anyone that had used that program probably not like mm. what what gave you the confidence to want to come to the program and, and do something like this that's kind of different from what everyone else is doing right yeah um so i had uh one friend that was already part of the program with you so um i i, I didn't get the chance to speak to him about it actually but um, that, that kind of also, you know, gave me some reassurance that, okay, you know, um, he was able to achieve some pretty good results, uh, mm -hmm. through Wall Street Mastermind. And I felt like, um, it, it was in line with what I was looking for. I think the main thing though, was just that, especially, uh, considering I was so late to the investment banking recruiting process and I was so behind everyone else. Um, I was, you know, my, my starting line was. Uh, a lot further back compared to a lot of people. I mm. felt like um, I needed a go-to resource that could provide, you know, all the knowledge and resources I need so that I could catch up the speed. I felt that, you know, honestly at that time it was getting quite urgent because it was very late in the recruiting process. Yeah. And if I had to spend that time myself, you know, uh, going through all the, all the uh, material that I needed to be ready for the uh, recruitment processes also you know learning all the technicals myself I thought that it would take too long and you know it, it probably wouldn't have worked out very well got it got it okay I didn't realize that you had a friend in the program already what's what's the let's not give away the full name but what's the first name of your friend I'm curious who it is actually David uh okay David from Berkeley yeah 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 got it got it okay Okay, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> That's cool. Um, and so, so okay, so then you you hopped on the call. You decide you want our help catching up with the recruiting process because obviously you were so behind already. And as an international student, obviously, you have even fewer opportunities than just like a typical candidate because not all firms actually even sponsor, right? And then right, yeah. And then a lot of the bigger firms that do sponsor, they were already kind of wrapping up their processes, and so you mm -hmm. kind of didn't have too many options left in terms of firms you could actually be eligible for. So you hopped yeah. in the program. Um, I think I, this was so long ago. This was over a year ago, but I think if I remember correctly, I also had to speak to your mom beforehand, right? Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, cause you know, I, after I spoke to you, um, I obviously had to speak to mom, my mom about it. And then, um, and then I believe you, you two spoke on the phone as well. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Okay, so then spoke to your mom. She was like um, supportive of you coming into the program, I guess. And then so we started catching up. 
for summer mm -hmm. 2020 recruiting. Correct. Right? Yeah. Um, even though it was kind of late for that. And then, so what, what were some of the things that we did in the program um, once you came in? Like what, what did you find to be most helpful, I guess? I think for me, what, what definitely helped a lot was the technical um, knowledge modules. I was able to quickly go through those and you know, that really made sure that I had all the technical questions set um, because I didn't have to spend time, you know, going through theory and uh, trying to figure out, you know, what exactly do I need to know? What do I not need to know? So those technical modules definitely helped a lot because I was confident, you know, I could go through these modules um, in the order that you laid them out. Mm -hmm. And it was exactly what I needed to do well in the interviews. Mm -hmm. And it also simplified a lot of, you know, complex um, concepts that I don't learn as an economics major. Mm -hmm. So I think the technical modules definitely helped a lot, especially uh, that late in the recruitment process. Got it. So basically having everything in one place, not having to guess or try to figure out what you need to do and what you don't need to do, and then just going through everything in the order that it's laid out and it's, it's basically yeah. simplifies the entire process which allows you to speed things up and kind of catch up in the shortest amount of time possible yeah yeah exactly okay so then you you learn all the technicals as quickly as you could uh was there anything else that you felt like was helpful to you in addition to the technicals yeah um i think especially during that time uh just being able to reach out to you at any time um, to ask, you know, just random off the cuff questions regarding like any situation that I was in, in the midst of recruit the recruiting season. I think that was really helpful and also reassuring, you know, there are a lot of times where you get an email or you might have a conversation you're not exactly sure how to uh, approach it or not sure how to follow up with certain conversations that you have, but I can just quickly shoot you a message and ask you, you know, how should I word this? How should I approach this? What should I do about the situation? And then that, I think that, that, that kind of, um, 24 seven advice really helps. Yeah. Hmm. Got it. So like, when you say just so, cause people who are in the program, they probably don't have an idea what you're talking about. Like when you say like, can just, shoot us a message like what does that mean <laughs> like just like uh, i mean so we use slack right so mm -hmm. i can just go on the slack channel it's the it's the communication app that we use and then i just send you a message and i know you're going to reply uh pretty soon and then you're going to give me you know tell me exactly what i need to do to approach whatever situation i'm in got it okay so having us basically available 24 seven where anytime you have a question about any little thing, any little random thing where you might not be able to go find the answer online somewhere. You just, instead of doing that, you can just come over to Slack, choose a quick instant message and then uh, wait for us to respond typically within like a couple hours or if not sooner, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Got it. Yeah. I can see how, um, I mean, having something like that, it's almost like uh like you never have to worry about not knowing what to do for yeah. any given situation, right? Because you never know yeah. what situation is gonna come up or what a certain banker is gonna say to you or what question they ask you or whatever, and then 
or even sometimes if you had a networking conversation or maybe you go through an interview and then you feel like, oh, there was this question that I got that I could have done better on and I'm not really sure. I know I messed it up, but I'm not really sure how, what I should have done differently. And then you can basically come back and and discuss that with us and figure it out like, okay, next time if this comes up again, what is the best way yeah. for me to handle this? Exactly, yeah. Got it, okay. Understood. So then we go through this process for summer 2020. You were already starting late. So obviously like at that point, most of the, since it was already junior year, most of the bulge back and elite boutique banks were done already, right? So mm, great, yeah. what was that process for you like? Like, were you able to get interviews still? And like, if so, like what type of firms are you getting interviews with? And like, how many interviews were you able to get? Can you give people kind of a sense of how hard it was? Yeah, so it definitely was quite hard, especially being an international student and with a lot of the banks already being done. But I was able to land an interview with uh, an elite boutique, um, a couple middle market banks, and then uh, a handful of uh, regional, like pretty good regional banks in the, on the West Coast. And yeah, that I think that definitely surprised me because I honestly didn't expect to land um, interviews with any elite boutiques or middle market banks at that time. Uh, considering how late in the process was, but yeah, I was able to land quite a number of interviews during that that process, summer twenty twenty process. Got it. Like, do you remember roughly how many interviews in total? It sounds like it's maybe like at least a handful. Yeah, like uh, probably with at least like six shops. Okay, got it. Um, and how did you the 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 one question that I always get from international yeah. students is like. How do I know who's sponsoring? <laughs> like, how do I know? Yeah. Like at that point in the process, how did you know which firms you should go after or like who you should be reaching out to? And should I even waste my time with this firm? Like, how did you, how did you go about sorting that out? Yeah, I think honestly at first, uh, uh, a lot of time was just shooting for um, basically all the firms and then figuring out the sponsorship part later because Every bank is, I think right now, especially banks are very nuanced with how they treat international students, right? So there's some banks that don't sponsor and don't hire some interns. And then there's banks that definitely do. And then there's also banks that may sponsor you, but only if you're, you know, a standout candidate. So I think all the banks are very nuanced and not only that, but it changes every year. So mm-hmm. I agree that, you know, it's not, it's not exactly perfect information. So at first, I think I definitely, um, just applied everywhere and then figure out the international student part later on in the process when it came to that. It was a bridge that, you know, you cross later when you get there. But I remember, I think what helped a lot in terms of getting a better understanding of how um, each bank treats international students was in the Slack channel uh, when you created the international students channel within Slack. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I remember there, were, there was a lot of discussion with other other students about, you know, which banks did they see sponsoring, which banks did they uh, find out were not sponsoring. And then that, that, that was how really helpful information. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So basically being a part of the Wall Street Mastermind community and having access to the community through the Slack channel where people are always helping each other out and being super collaborative about it, you can essentially crowdsource it a little bit of like, not just you trying to figure out which bank sponsored on your own, but also 
talking to other people, to other international students to figure out what they've been hearing. And then that helps you become a little bit more targeted with what firms you go after. Right, exactly, yes. Okay, got it. Yeah, I mean, look, the toughest part, like you said, I think, is that there is no set list, right? Because every yeah. bank, even banks that um, sponsor, like some years they do and some years they don't. Like I remember last year uh, for summer 2021, I had clients get sponsored for places like JP Morgan. And then mm -hmm. for summer 2021, this year around, I think JP Morgan stopped sponsoring, right? And then it was right. like a lot of international students were super disappointed because they were counting on a firm like JP Morgan to continue sponsoring. They just, they stopped doing it. And so it's yeah, like, exactly. every time an international student asks me like, which bank's going to sponsor? I always tell them, I don't know. <laughs> like, but, <laughs> but what I do know is you're going to have to cast a much wider net um, and also you're going to yeah. have to know how to network uh, with the people at the firm because that's really the best way to find out that kind of information. Right. Yeah. Um, speaking of crossing the bridge, once you get there, so, okay, I understand that yeah. was an approach. And so you went through these interview processes and then you even ended up getting some offers, right. For summer 2020. Yeah. Um, yeah. How many offers did you end up getting by the way for, for 2020? I ended up getting, two two so one at a middle market bank and then one at a like a regional boutique okay got it and something pretty crappy happened right with the offer <laughs> because yeah, yeah. Be because of what you said about crossing that bridge and get there like can you talk about that a little bit yeah so uh it was one of the last processes that I was part of and then um so i went through the process and then um did really well had the super day and then um the day after the super day i remember they called back and then i got an offer so i was really stoked um so the middle market bank gave me the offer but then immediately like maybe an hour after i received the offer they called me again and they said you know hey we just realized that you're an international student and unfortunately you know we're gonna have to rescind your offer we can't we can't extend you an offer for for the summer so yeah that that definitely sucked yeah I mean, I can't even imagine what that must have felt like for you. Just such a roller coaster, emotional roller coaster, mm -hmm. right? Of going through yeah. this long, long grind and then finally feeling for that hour at least, feeling like everything worked out and you got the outcome you wanted. And then to have that taken away from you an hour later, like, oh, just kidding. You're an international student. Right. It's just like, must have felt super unfair, too. It's like you almost wish. They just didn't give you the offer in the first place and you probably would have felt better. <laughs> Cause yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Cause it's like, okay, so you're saying I was good enough to get the offer and you liked me, but you literally are just not going to give me a job because you won't sponsor my visa. Yeah, um, exactly. I remember us talking about that and having a conversation about that. That, that was, that was definitely a gut punch. Um, and so, but you picked yourself up and you kept, and you mm -hmm. kept recruiting and then, basically you ended up with that second offer that you mentioned. And is that, yeah. is that kind of what you ended up doing then for your sophomore or not your sophomore for your summer 2020 internship then? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So I ended up uh, interning at a regional boutique for my summer uh, 2020. Yeah. Got it. And not a lot of regional boutiques actually sponsor visas, right? So like, correct. how yeah. did you actually even figure out that this firm was sponsored? Um, so, when I reached out, um, 
and networked with an associate at the bank. We developed pretty good rapport. And then he, you know, he was happy to put me through the process. And um, he also mentioned that there was actually a couple of international uh, people within the bank because the bank's actually, it's an actu actually an international bank. So it's headquarters, it's a European bank. So it's headquarters in Europe. And then they're kind of just starting to expand in the US. So they actually had a number of international people within their office. So yeah, it was, it was through networking and my conversations with an associate in the bank that um, he told me that, you know, they're happy to take on international. Got it. Okay. So it's not really your regional boutique bank, like what you typically think, like they're, I think they're actually a pretty sizable bank with like an international presence and yeah, yeah. all over the globe. Right. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. But they're more, they're more well known in Europe than they are. Than in the U S yeah. Yeah. So that's actually a good tip, right? Which is, Hey, there are a lot of these firms that are maybe stronger in Europe, but they're trying to expand to the U S and maybe they're not as well known here in the U S yet, but because they're from Europe in the first place, they might be more open and willing to sponsor international students. And so it's like, you might want to check those out. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. Got it. So you did that for someone 2020, but mm -hmm. obviously you weren't, you could have stopped there, right? Cause that, 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 mm -hmm. would, that, that would, you could have stopped there. You could have gone and worked there and then just, you know, take a return offer from there. But I guess you weren't completely satisfied with the outcome. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so what'd you decide to do from there? So I remember we kind of talked about my options because, you know, I felt that for summer 2020, it, my offer didn't really reflect. I felt like it didn't reflect my potential or what I could have achieved, especially because I was just so late to the process. And I felt that, you know, if I really had a proper shot at the recruiting process that I could land a much better offer. So I remember we talked about, you know, either I could recruit again full-time um, during a full-time recruiting cycle, or alternatively, I could recruit again for summer 2021. Um, and then, yeah, and then ultimately, you know, I felt like recruiting for summer 2021 would be better. I think it gave me a lot more options um, and it was a bit more structured. And I think that was a big part of my decision. And I mean, I think honestly, it turned out really well, especially considering coronavirus. I know, you know, with COVID-19, the full-time recruiting process this year was quite disrupted, I guess. Yeah. So looking back on that, it was, it was a good decision to choose to do summer instead of full-time recruiting this year. Right, right. Yeah, and we back then, we didn't know that coronavirus was going to happen. Yeah, and we didn't know coronavirus was going to happen at the, uh, back then, yeah. Right. Um, so to recruit again, just so people are clear on what we're saying though, to recruit yeah. again for summer 2021, you effectively had to delay your graduation a little bit so that you could yeah. be eligible for uh, recruiting for the following summer, right? Correct, yeah. So that's one thing for a lot of you that are listening out there too, is like sometimes we talk to students, uh, maybe you're really late in the process, especially if you're an international student, if you're late to the process, like, you know, at least Jerry got to, he was late to the process, but he wasn't so late that he couldn't get an offer at all. But let's say if you're even later in the process, like if Jerry had come to us instead of in August or September, if he had come to us in November or December, where even the last few opportunities for international students have filled up and you just missed the boat completely, 
one option you might consider if you're really dead set on going to investment banking is you could just delay graduation by a semester. You take, instead of graduating four years, maybe you graduate in four and a half years. Maybe you spread out your classes a bit more. Maybe you pick up a double major, whatever it may be. But then that makes you eligible to recruit for the following summer. And then that gives you basically a new, a new, a new runway, so to speak, to kind of like basically dive into recruiting all over again and start from the beginning, right? Like while all the bulge back and elite boutique banks are still recruiting. Right. And so then you have more opportunities. Um, so I, I agree. I mean, I think that, and look like recruiting for a summer internship is always going to be easier than recruiting for full-time, right? Just because full-time regardless of coronavirus or not, like with full-time, there's very, very, very few opportunities typically because 80 to 90% of the full-time offers, even in a normal year, probably go into uh, the summer intern class that, you know, like the summer interns that perform well, they get a return offer. Right. So yep. a lot of groups, they won't even hire for full time. And even the groups that do hire for full time, it's typically just one or two openings here and there. And you also may or may not even hear about the opening. Depends on if you have networked with people in the right groups. And like you said, it's a less structured process where it's, it's very hit or miss. Right. And then like yeah. even if you hear about the process, you're going to be competing against a lot of other students that did do a summer internship, maybe at another uh, pretty good bank and so it's just a more competitive pool in general right so we always talk about like look getting a summer internship itself is very very hard getting a full-time offer is just like that much harder right which is just like so if you if you're purely saying from like a probability standpoint strategically going for a summer internship is always going to be the be, be the better bet right yeah um and so we, we do recommend you and, and you're not our only client that's done that we have other clients that have done, done similar things before too um, whether they're international or not. So got it. So then, okay. So then you recruit. So you start, you started over. So obviously you, you did your internship, but then you yeah, started yeah. over. Uh, yeah. And actually probably even before you started your internship, you had to start over and immediately start thinking about 2021. Like as soon as 2020 ended, there's probably like a very small gap. And then, summer 2021 recruiting kicked off for some of the bigger banks. Right. And so you went through that process all over again. Was there any difference the second time around? Like now that you had gone through the process one time um, Mm -hmm. and obviously you're probably more prepared and you're more familiar with what to expect. Like, did you see a significant difference in terms of your performance the second time around versus the first time? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, there were a couple of things, you know, going through, the process once, what well, well, half the process once, uh, I I was quickly able to, you know, learn from my mistakes. Obviously, um, whether that was um, with how I was landing interviews, or you know, once I got the interview, how I was executing in the interviews. So I think a couple of the main differences the second time around was that, firstly, you know, because I had more time and I knew I realized how important um, developing a strong network was. Uh, I was able to spend more time networking and that definitely made a bigger difference in, you know, the interviews that I was getting and how many interviews I was able to land. And then I, I would say another, another thing that I really worked on the second time around was um, behaviorals. So mm-hmm. the behavioral aspect of my interviews, I think I was able to spend a lot more time on that and then really polish them um, the second time around. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point. 
because um, I, I noticed the first time around you said the most helpful thing for you was technicals and obviously you were just yeah. trying to get up to speed on learning all technicals in such a short amount of time and not messing that up but that probably didn't leave exactly, you yeah. a lot of time to brush up on your behaviorals which believe it or not and most people don't realize this is that the behavioral questions are actually arguably even more important than the technicals right meaning yeah i don't know what your experience was but a lot of our clients tell us like you know sometimes i mess up on a couple of technicals and interviews and then i still advance to the next round and that's because like if your behavioral is strong enough and they like you enough they're willing to let certain things slip right and then the opposite is also true where if they don't like you as a person doesn't matter how good your technicals are they're probably not going to let you through to the next round right yeah exactly yeah i think how how i kind of came to see behaviorals versus technicals after this last recruiting season is that, you know, technicals is more, I mean, you just get them right. You know, everyone's going to get them right. There's going to be a lot of smart finance kids that are going to get technical questions, right? So it's on you to make sure you don't make any mistakes. And I mean, the right answer is the right answer, right? There's not going to be that much variation in how you answer technical questions compared to others, but mm -hmm. behavioral questions, you know, everyone's going to answer them differently. And that's the only part where you can really separate yourself from other candidates and that's where you can really earn an offer yeah yeah absolutely um i couldn't have said any better that's pretty much exactly what i tell people is like table stakes is the technicals all the qualified candidates are going to be about the same you're never going to be just like so much better than everyone else in technicals you just need to get to that level and then on the mm -hmm. behaviorals though that's where you can really blow other people out of the water if you know what you're doing right yeah um how exactly did you get better at your behaviorals though? Cause like a lot of times people think about like, okay, I need to get better at my behaviorals. And then what they're doing is probably like looking up a list of questions that I might get asked. And then I'm going to go write out my answers and I'm just going to, you know, practice it over and over and over again and memorize my answers. Right? And, I hope, mm -hmm. and then like just through more practice and spending more time on it, my, my answer is going to be magically become significantly better. Like, is that, mm -hmm. is that how it works or is that how it worked for you? Or what do you feel like made the biggest difference for your behavioral uh, answers? I would say, um, so, you know, when I watched the behavioral interview module, um, that really guided how I did my first, I guess, draft of my behavioral answers um, and how I thought about structuring my answers to behavioral questions. And then after that, I did that, you know, what was really helpful was obviously having you go through every single answer that I had drafted and, you know, you were really in, you know, every sentence, looking at every word and making the edits and comments that I needed to make them perfect. And I think also helped is that, you know, your behavioral answers, you know, they update, you know, there's new behavioral questions that I come across during the first recruiting cycle that I realized I need to be, pre be prepared for. And then being able to send you my answers I have at any time and you being able to go over them that definitely helped a lot, you know, and that, that's the content side. And then the other side is delivery, right? How you deliver your behavioral answers. So doing those couple of um, mock interviews with you, you know, you gave really good direct and precise advice um, and feedback in terms of how I was delivering my behavioral answers. And you caught a lot of things that I had never even thought about. Uh, for example, you know, how I started off the answers or even uh, subtle things like my body language. Um, yeah. 
those 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 that that really direct and precise feedback that definitely improved my um, behavioral answers a lot as well. Got it. Okay. So it sounds like if I were to sum it up in one word, the biggest thing when it came to improving your behavioral answers was feedback, both yeah. on the content side of what you're saying in your answers and how you're structuring your answers and down to like the specific sentences and words that you were using to tell mm -hmm. your stories, as well as on the delivery side, because what most people don't realize is uh, interview performance, how good it is, is less about what you say, but more about how you say it, right? Like, of course, what you say is important too, but I would say more than 50% of it is how you say it, as in like two different people with the exact same answers. If they deliver it differently, one person's gonna sound a lot better than the other, right? Yeah. Um, and so you're saying getting feedback on both of those things, not just through written feedback, but also through multiple mock interviews and and not just any mock interview. Because people always talk about like doing mock interviews, but it's like you can do a mock interview and barely get any feedback, in which case mm -hmm. it doesn't really help that much. Or you can do a mock interview where, like you say, you're getting direct and precise feedback, um, or I yeah. call it like actionable feedback, meaning I think the way we give feedback is literally down to like, hey, here you said this this way, and I would just tweak that slightly, and I would say this way instead, and here's why. Yeah. Or like, hey, here you talked about, you spent two or three sentences talking about this, and that entire part I would say is unnecessary, so I would probably cut that out. Or hey, here mm -hmm. like you structure your answer this way, and it's a little bit out of sequence, and it will flow a little bit better if you flipped it around and talked about this first. Like, whatever it may be, but it's like, not just like, uh, I think your answer could be a little bit better, or uh, I think your answer is more specific. And it's like, I don't know what that means, right? Yeah. But if you have actually precise feedback on like exactly what to change, then it's not hard to go and work on those things, right? But it's just that it's and things like body language and even tonality, or like always starting certain sentences the same way, like a lot of times you're doing those things not on purpose, but you're doing it because you don't realize you're doing it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so if you're just practicing on your own, if you're practicing or if you're practicing with a friend or an upperclassman who's maybe not that experienced or hasn't interviewed that many people and they're not as adept at picking up on the little nuanced things, the, the quality of feedback that you get is not going to be quite what, what it needs to be. Right. Yeah. And so I think like a lot of people don't understand that is like, oh, well, what's the difference if we do a mock interview with you guys versus with our friends? It's like, well, it's really, it just comes down to experience, right? It just comes down to mm -hmm. how many answers, like with the behavior answers, like I said, everybody has different answers, like you said. So it really comes down to like, not whose answer is right or whose answer is wrong, but like whose answers are better and whose answers are worse, right? Yeah. So how big of a sample size do you have for the person that's interviewing you? How large of a sample size do they have to compare your answers against? So that they can actually give you not just their personal opinion on whether your answer is good or not, but uh, relative to all the other answers that they've seen in the past, right? And also like having data around, okay, all these other answers, what type of offer did they end up getting? Like how yeah. good the answers are these? Oh, these are the answers that always got the bold bracket and leave boutique banks. Okay. Well, what are the commonalities that these answers have in, have in common? How can we maybe incorporate some of that into your answers? Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the key to behaviors is like, there's so much more to it than what, what meets the eye. And I think like most people spend so much time. It's like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta study the technicals. And then like, they spend very, very little time. Right. If you're totally honest, like 
before Hashem and Hashem, you probably spend very, very little time thinking about the behaviors because on the surface, it's like, well, what else is there to do? There's only so much I can do about the behaviors. Yeah. Like, what else am I going to come up with? This is the answer that I have already. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if it's good enough, but I hope it's good enough. Like, that's not good enough, right? Or yeah. that doesn't inspire confidence when you walk into that interview, right? Um, so I guess you revamped all your interviews, technicals, behavioral, second time around, a lot more confident. How many offers did you get the second time around? The second time around, uh, I, so I landed quite a number of interviews in the first half of the year. So, you know, recruiting season usually split into two sections, you know, before the summer and kind of after the summer. So before the summer of that year, I landed um, quite a number of interviews with Middle Market, um, also a couple of lead boutiques as well. And then I ended up getting a um, offer from a, uh, upper middle market bank and I was quite happy with it um, obviously especially given that you know I was able to land an offer so early in the process for that year um, and that kind of concluded my recruiting for the first half of the year but I also picked up I guess recruiting for um, just I had one more process after the summer as well for a bulge bracket and that's kind of when I landed my um, second offer yeah Got it. Okay. So you ended up with a, ultimately the final offer that you accepted was the bold bracket offer, obviously. Correct. Yeah. Um, are you comfortable telling people which bank you're going to be going to? Yeah. Bank of America. Got it. Okay. That's, that's awesome. I mean, <laughs> but for those of you that are wondering, Bank of America is still sponsoring, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, they are. They are. They are. Um, but okay. So you're, you're going to Bank of America, which, that's phenomenal. I mean, cause that's, that's one of the probably top, you know, handful of banks out there. Right. And so it's mm -hmm. pretty much as good as you could hope for. And so, um, I mean, geez, that's, that was a long journey though. Right. That was like, I mean, from the time you started working with us to the time you finished up, that was probably what, 13, 14 months from beginning to end. Yeah. And you're probably gr yeah. grinding that entire time. And so it must be super satisfying to, get an outcome like this that you're super happy with it makes everything worth it. Right. Obviously. Yeah. Um, do you have any last piece of advice or pearls of wisdom that you want to give to maybe other students who are currently in a similar boat that you were in maybe a year ago or whatever, like maybe they're international student, maybe they're just starting to think about recruiting for investment banking. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe they're a little bit less or, not really sure where to start. Like what's one thing that you wish you had known back then, or you wish someone could have told you back then that um, maybe would have made things a lot easier for you? Yeah, I think uh, something, something that's really important to keep in mind, I would say is to really uh, think ahead and ask for help when you need it. Um, and don't, you know, twiddle your thumbs and uh, try to figure out everything on your own. If, if it's not going to be efficient, you know, especially with something like investment banking recruiting where it moves very quickly and it starts very early, you don't really have the luxury of time on your side mm -hmm. to, you know, try, you don't really have that luxury to trial and error or try to figure or waste time um, on things that aren't going to help you with your, your recruiting outcomes. You know, you don't really have that time to waste. So I think it's really important that you 
once you decide that, you know, investment banking is what you want to pursue, you really commit to it and you, you, you ask for help when you need, recognize help, uh, recognize, you know, where you need, what you need help with. And that way you're able to really, like I said, just not waste time, be able to tackle the process one step at a time, you know, know exactly what you need to get done and be uh, fully prepared for interviews because once once the interviews come it's already too late to start preparing you know you have to be prepared before the process even starts right right absolutely that's great advice man um awesome so guys um for those of you that are still listening i think jerry gave a lot of um really great advice on just how to navigate this entire process as a um international student right like basically you have to start early as much as possible. Um, and regardless of whether you're starting early or starting late, um, the biggest key is to just look for the most efficient way of doing things, right? Like look for um, the quickest way for you to get up to speed on, you know, having relevant experiences on your resume or the, the most effective way to network with bankers so you can actually like not have to reach out to as many people and still get to the, the number of referrals that you need, um, or maybe even like the qu quickest way to learn all the technicals where everything's in one place and you can just follow a step-by-step -step process, right? Or like getting the feedback that you need on your, on, on your behavioral answers, both the content as well as the delivery of your answers. Uh, a lot of these things, and, and look on the behavioral side, it's not even a matter of time. Sometimes some of these things, even if you spend more time on it on your own, you're not gonna get too much out of that because you don't know what you don't know, right? And so, but with all these things, like rather than doing the trial and error, you actually wanna just have like a proven system or process to follow from the get-go because banking recruiting is not one of those things where you have multiple opportunities to like do this over and over again. Like, I mean, with Jerry, like, yeah, okay, he recruited again, but that was really it, right? Like if the second time, it didn't work out, uh, then that was it, right? And also, like, not everyone wants to delay graduation by a semester, right? Like, obviously, staying in school an extra semester, like, there are trade-offs that you're making with that, too, right? And so the best thing to do is just, like, be able to get it right the first time because um, otherwise, like, some people are like, oh, well, if I don't get in, I'll go back to business school or get an MBA and try again. Yeah, you could do that, but that's another four or five years down the road by the time you're done with business school. And you also have to pay over probably $200,000 just to, just to go back. And, and you're not making money during that time because you have to forego your salary because you, you can't work a job. And so the opportunity cost is humongous, right? So the, the easiest and best way is to just get in the first time as a, as an undergrad. And I know that's easier said than done, but there are proven processes that you can follow that's available to you. Um, you just have to want that for yourself. Right. And so if that's the type of thing that you're looking for and you feel like, hey, you understand the urgency and the matter and you just you're just wanting the, the most efficient way of doing things from the get go, then I want to encourage you to reach out and schedule a free strategy session with our team. Um, you can do that by going to www.wallstreetmastermind.com slash apply. Um, the street is abbreviated to ST. So you can go to www.wallstmastermind.com slash apply. And what we'll do is, on this call is, you know, someone from our team will jump on with you. Uh, we'll talk to you and we'll learn more about your situation. What are your goals? 
Um, what are some of the challenges that you might be having? And what do you need help with exactly? And then based on that, we'll, we'll come up with like a tailored um, game plan for you uh, that, you know, you can either um, get our help with or you can go and, you know, take that and run with it, implement it on your own, whatever you think is best for you. Um, but at a minimum, you know, you just get some advice on how to be more effective and efficient in this recruiting process and time is of the essence, right? So don't wait any longer. If that's something that you think would be beneficial for you, I want to encourage you to go and book this call now. Um, our calendar does fill up and it is first come first serve. So um, again, we look forward to talking to you and hopefully serving you. And with that, um, I think it's a wrap. Jerry, I want to thank you so much for again, taking so much time out of your day to talk to us and just share your experiences with um, other students who are maybe in the same boat as you. And I think, you know, this is a hugely insightful and beneficial um, conversation for a lot of people. And uh, I can't, you know, I can't wait to see kind of uh, all the success that you have ahead of you. And, you know, obviously let us know how your internship goes and um, I'm sure we'll be in touch. And, uh, Congrats again on all the success, man. You, you worked hard for this and you definitely, uh, definitely deserve it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, awesome. All right, guys. Well, that'll be it for today. Um, thank you guys for tuning in and uh, we'll be back with more of these for you guys in the near future. All right. Talk to you guys soon. Bye.